time to tune up the band and witness the United States v. Vince McMahon, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I'm Reardon, joined by Dan, Sam, and my arch-nemesis Melee. <laughs> it is hostile takeover time for the 150th episode. I am the captain now. I know I've been away for like two weeks, the longest time that I've ever been away from the podcast, but that is because I have been gathering my strength to to start a bloody coup against Sam, who is currently, I believe, somewhere in the Nicaraguan jungle being tracked by the rebels. And I was told I was actually being taken to Fort Boyard, but, you know, to each their own. <laughs> oh, well. Are you, are, are you now arguing that then, therefore... We are technically the CIA in this situation. We are a lot of things. And my we name and my name is Edward Snowden. No, I don't. Today, today I identify oh as an American as an American <laughs> insurrection on a foreign land. <laughs> speaking of speaking of someone on foreign land, Melee, how are you doing today? Oh well, that wait, wait, wait. The moment just came back. What what does he have here? Oh. <gasps> That check is here. Oh, oh my God! It's very bouncy. Oh my God! It's bouncing all over the room. Oh. Well, anyway, well, well I I'll paid it. There. I paid it through Paul hey, Heyman everyone? and Associates. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh, he ain't never oh, seen no. that money. That ain't coming. <laughs> oh Hello. my goodness. Oh but no! It's good to have you. It's good to have you here. It is auspicious that you are here, not mm -hmm. only on the 150th episode, but the first episode where I am taking over hosting duties. It was really meant to be. It really, it really was. It really was. The booking goes incredible. Oh, absolutely. It's almost absolutely. as if we thought this through. <laughs> we don't think nah. things through here. If we thought things through, I would not be anywhere near hosting duties. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere near it. Or maybe not, brother. Oh, good. Or maybe not, Jack. But anyway, 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 we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. So we bring you this lovely podcast via Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, no, guys! guys. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! See, see, this is why he's in the jungle, people! This is why! <laughs> you know, guys, I may not be the person who usually does this, but I can tell you for a guarantee that we'll forever be pending. Yes, yes, yes. It feels weird yeah. doing that, you know? It does, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It's weird seeing Kieran Hughes do it. But, you know, it will be pending, and you will be pending the show trial of which you will be executed by the militia. But until that happens, <laughs> and before we get to the 1990s steroid scandal, we are going to go to Dan for this week's wrestling news. Should we have Melee do the jingle instead of me? Yeah, go on, man. All right. Dun, 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 Wrestling news. He did it far better than I ever oh, could. <laughs> was... This is this not, is... not not brought to you by American interventionism. Anyway, <laughs> this is absolute bizarre world. So, Dan, what have you got for us? Uh, let's start off in AEW. I feel like it's the best place to start off right now. Um, obviously, we have the progress of the Owen Cup with our, our final being announced of. Uh, CM Punk versus Ricky Starks. The big question being, will CM Punk put over a younger talent? Maybe. Maybe not, brother. Maybe. 
<laughs> honestly, I feel like that's a it's a real crapshoot. Honestly, we'll see how it goes. I was going to say if his name was Hangman Page, no, but I think he kind of likes Ricky Starks, so my hope would be that he would put him over. Mm. I mean, it's well known that AEW need to do more with Ricky Starks anyway, so that's mm-hmm. for true. Still, it's cool to see him in a in a good position. Yeah, Indeed. I, I think like. I think Ricky deserves a bit of a rub here because I feel like compared to like last year, he like not like not against like anything of his abilities, but I feel like he's kind of cooled down a bit compared to like last year where he was like mega over. I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how that one turns out. I mean, especially considering like the whole thing with Punk is that he loves Owen Hart and has been kind of most of his promos have been like, worshipping Owen and the ground he walks on, so <laughs> it wouldn't surprise that... me if t- TK put it on him, you know? Yeah, but on the other hand, like it could be that other thing of, it could be another thing of like it being a swerve, because, you know, he loves him so much, so he doesn't win it, and then he's upset. So True. Mm-hmm. True. And then Tony just I mean, screams... I'm saying, I'm saying all of this. <laughs> and then Tony screams, do it again! Do it again! <laughs> Good. I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing all this and I'm forgetting about the fact that I've missed the most obvious story, the Golden Elite. Ah, yeah, yes. the, 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 oh. the, and the BCC. Um Pac joining the BCC, brilliant, because now they actually have a British member. <laughs> they, they... Newcastle Newcastle is not Blackpool, but it's certainly closer than anyone else in the Close enough. Close enough. Remember Scotland and England, the exact same place. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the announcement of Kocho Ibushi debuting in AEW. Yeah, love to see I feel like it was it. very much a matter of when and not if. Yeah. <laughs> it was always. But I think it'll be that. awesome though. I think it'll be awesome though. Oh, it's obviously be great. you're having your usual you're having your usual people saying whatever about it, and you know that's that. I love do that. I do love that people brought up the story of that news story. I think it might have been it might have been Fightful that said that Triple H was having plans for Jay White and Kota Ibushi and now look where they are. <laughs> I guess the plans were make them go to AEW. <laughs> but what's the story? I don't know him. I need a, I need like at least 30 promo packages to know what he's about. I didn't realize we invited Vince Russo onto the show. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there have been people obviously saying the, the usual stuff about like, oh, yada, 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 this all stuff. I personally like the paralleling of um, Pac and Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Yes, as Pac is being this this mad roided up McGee guy that just hates Kenny Omega, will do anything to blindside him. <laughs> If there's one thing that I love in, like, fiction, but especially, like, wrestling-esque fiction, it's the constant fawn in the side. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, man, it just... It, it's so good, especially because Pac's just so naturally angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's beautiful that we're going to have Takeshita and Kodobushi in the same ring in AEW. Yeah, you'd love to see it. A lot of people have been now after this announcement have also kind of been dream booking that that match for all in London. I don't know if we deserve it, but 
it's but, <laughs> but but it'll be it'll be a fun one if made possible if made a reality it would be a fun match um but it's going to be an eventuality i think that match when i do not know probably they'll save it for save it for full gear probably maybe <clears throat> Yeah. It will be interesting though. Exciting <clears throat> times. Exciting times. It it's yeah. nice to see it's again it's it's nice to see AEW on the upswing again. I think uh, Collision's been a been a very solid program. Been liking what what's been going on with Collision. Liking Dynamite. Um a lot of people are knocking Ring of Honor. A lot of people have been saying, "Oh, they just got rid of Dark, so Dark could be Ring of Honor." I'm just like, does anyone re actually really watch Ring of Honor? Because Ring of Honor's actually been kind of knocking it out of the park as of late, really, from what they've been uh, like putting out. I think the thing with Ring of Honor is people were expecting it to be this like big standalone program. Mm. So when it's less that, I mean, people are getting like. Like, oh, it's just dark all over again. Very true, very true. Oh, it's especially a shame. the very especially the very not bloated, but like inflated match cards. Yeah. This is true. This is true. It's a shame about Mark Briscoe having to pull out of the world title match at Death Before Dishonor. Um shame about that, because I was actually kind of really looking forward to that match um going in Willie Mack having one of the best backstage promos I have ever seen in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to yeah. Willie Mack. Uh, Layla Hirsch is back as well in Ring of Honor. Love, love to see that. And of course, Eddie Kingston is the New Japan Strong uh, Open Weight Champion, which you just fucking love to see. Nature's healing. <laughs> Nature is absolutely healing. Talking of New Japan, though, G1 Climax has kicked off. And uh, did any of you watch the press conference? <laughs> no, I did not. I saw. I saw Shane Haste being an absolute menace. <laughs> As per usual with Shane Haste. I saw um, I saw Gabe Kidd still not being able to get the English stink off him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> although that being said, he did Lariat Kiyomura's head clean off, which I was like, you know what, I, I kind of appreciate that. But... I did see, um, I saw Alex Coughlin's promo, which was pretty good. I mean, Alex Coughlin's the future to me, so... And I love that, like, Okada... Okada basically has done these so many times that at this point he was just like, oh, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just gonna heckle and just joke about now, because I've been in these enough times now to not take it seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not too bad. In terms of A Block, it has been happening as of this recording. Um, Some really interesting matches. Sonado won his match against uh, uh, Yoyosuji. Nice. It was not a bad match, honestly, um, if you ask me. Um, actually, no, was it Hikaleo? No, it was Hikaleo that Sonata faced up against. No, Sonata defeated Hikaleo. It was Yoyosuji versus... Who was it? It was Kiyomura. Uh, Kiyomiya, I should say. Yeah. Um, no, Suji I mean, won his people match. people out there saying that Yoyosuji is quite possibly the greatest wrestler alive right now. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoyed Ren Narita versus Shooter. I know a lot of people have kind of softened on their stance of Shooter. Uh, a lot of that, I would I, say, I would take it seriously that... because he did have a bit of a, an elongated run in Rev Pro. Uh, 
<laughs> he's got the British stink. He's got the British stink, unfortunately. But that said, those two did actually put on a very decent match. It went to a time limit draw. Um, and then the final match was Gabe Kidd versus... Um, oh, I don't like yeah. saying that man's name. You know who I'm talking about, Dan. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Gabe Kidd being Gabe Kidd ended up even though he was teammates with the guy, ended up uh, Pearl harboring him, and that went to a no contest. <laughs> what a phrase. <laughs> what a phrase. <laughs> but that's what it's called. It's like taking someone from behind. It's called Pearl harboring. <laughs> yeah. All right. Still, just to hear it out in the wild, it's just like, okay. I know the most All infamous right. one is where is where Razor Ramon Pearl harbored Owen Hart, but he Pearl harbored him whilst Owen was facing Razor Ramon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that the most famous Pearl Harbor was Pearl Harbor, but okay, fair don't enough. Don't worry about it, Chief. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Never heard of her. Never did. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a drag name, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I feel like you're gonna have a tough time with that one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that seems like. I've got so many puns. I've got so many. I promise I'm I'm just a really big fan of the film. I was going to say, I've got (laughs) so many bad puns in my head that I'm not going to repeat out loud. Please don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it sounds Um, like it's a good good so far. I'm kind of looking more forward to uh, B-Block. If I'm honest, I'm looking more forward to Eddie's turnaround in the G1. Is he going to win it? I don't know. Probably not. But it'll be fun to see who he who he gets paired up with in his block. Honestly, mm-hmm. looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing Eddie just fulfill the dream of everybody who's ever been a fan of uh, of of Japanese pro wrestling. Yes, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, I think obviously the thing is there's so much pressure with the crowning of the Rewa Free. Mm. That um, you know, it's put a whole bunch onto um, Suji Shooter and Narita, but I'm I'm really interested to see what happens. I I mean, I don't know the direction that they'll go. Obviously, the big thing is like, oh, um, Okada could match Chono's record. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if they went that way. So. Remains to be seen. That said, though, I mean, this is the first time I feel like a G1's been, for a while anyway, has been kind of like uh, not a bad block in sight. And so every match is kind of like, you know what, that match might actually be a low key banger match. The entire thing is like vaguely interesting. <laughs> That's right. Just what you want. Although, con- confirm for me or not, is Aaron Hanare still in the G1? Oh, yeah, Aaron Hanare's still in the G1. He's in block okay, C. So with we still might have. He's in block C with Eddie Kingston. <laughs> if there if there are no Aaron Hanare haters, then I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Suddenly you have suddenly you get a knock on the door and it's the Hanare clap. <laughs> uh, you know, as you do, as you do. Uh, is there anything else? Anything else coming on? Uh, oh. Should we go over to WWE just quickly if we want to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, real quick, see what's going Anyone on. Anyone want to fill me in on what's been happening? Because God knows I have no idea. Do you have to? Do you have to? I think the Endeavor deal is happening. I think from what I've heard, the update is that it's still uh, 
the, the talks have been good. The deal looks like it's still going to go through in September. Yay. Uh, LA Knight is still very much over with the crowd. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a US inv title invitational happening, neat, which, neat. which has him involved, as well as Cameron Grimes and Santos Escobar. Um, if it were me... I, if it's just me on alone, I feel like uh, Cameron Grimes should be just as over as LA Knight because Cameron Grimes is fucking awesome. Uh, Jey Uso super kicked yeah. Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa. Oh yeah, <laughs> salute. To which Paul, to which Paul Heyman exclaimed, "What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just an advocate." <laughs> so so many super kicks. So oh. many super kicks. Oh, and there. Brock Lesnar, I believe, has accepted Cody Rhodes' challenge at SummerSlam. Finish the story, Brock. You can do it. <laughs> Finish the never-ending story. This is Brock's story now. Honestly, right. if, Brock, if they yeah, make yeah, Brock yeah. win, it would be like, this is my story now, bitch! <laughs> and we get Brock Roman at WrestleMania 40. Oh, dear God. Oh Lord! Although the more things change, the more they stay the same. Although I will say though, it's been ten. It, at WrestleMania forty, come WrestleMania forty, it will have been ten years removed since Brock beat Taker. So I feel like, what's who's who's the spooky guy in WWE at the moment that Brock could face at WrestleMania? Oh no, I was thinking Joe Gacy. Oh no. <laughs> could you imagine this? Brock Lesnar versus the Schism? The silence what means that Uncle no one Howie? wants that. <laughs> <laughs> the oh. silence is everyone thinking about maybe, it. And... Maybe the real Uncle Howdy is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> or the DLC for WWE 2K23. <laughs> That's crazy, by the way. How are they going out of their ass to get fucking Uncle Howdy DLC is crazy. Who's the Uncle Howdy enjoyer in, in the world? I, there's someone in that company. Someone in that company that's like, "Yo, just hear me out. I can make Uncle Howdy into an absolute banger of a of a character." Maybe it's the same guy that wrote the 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 return for Bray Wyatt. You know that whole White Rabbit stuff last year. Maybe, maybe. Of that being said, I feel like that guy who wrote that was watching re the the trailer to Matrix Resurrections a little bit too much. And just realised that you know what we I need. Mean, we need Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> like, like, listen, I can't, I can't speak to that because I also watched that trailer way too much. So, Thanks. like, <laughs> what, what can I say here? I can't. Like... Basically, basically, the way it worked was the person who wrote that encounter at, at one point in their life, probably relatively recent to when that they created that discovered what an ARG was and was like, we can, we can do this. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's Man, if only it. they had done that in uh, in 2007 when ARGs were huge on YouTube. Oh god, if they, that, yeah. that, that combined with Nine Inch Nails Year Zero, that would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, they missed a perfect opportunity. Oh, dang it. <laughs> they missed the perfect opportunity. Write that, write that down. Yeah, quickly, mm. read and write that down. You're the one presenting today, so you I'll should be writing that, that stuff down. Listen, 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 listen. If you can get Trent to do it again, I don't know. That that dude seems 
more pissed off than usual. <laughs> He's too busy to work, occasionally working on film scores. Yeah. To yeah. the most random that films yeah, that you'd ever done think. With the news. We, we, we're done with the news? Oh, excellent, 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 excellent. Now we come to recommendation corner, a corner I will never give up, ever. Except for this oh, week, you dude. Have a recommend- <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you wait your damn turn. You wait your damn turn. No, my recommendation will be Succession, of which I've started to watch because the creator promised that it would be four seasons only and then made good on that promise, meaning that mm-hmm. I can actually watch Succession at pretty good times. <laughs> it's actually really compelling, really good stuff. The actual like business side of thing, you don't need to really understand it. All you need to know is it makes this person angry. And then it's fine. Fair no, enough. I actually I'm really enjoying it. It's really it's really like really like compelling is the word TV. Great performances across the board. So that would be my recommendation this week. Now, Sam, you may do so. <laughs> okay. Guys, how do you feel about cursed doom mods? Very good. I feel pretty good about them, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, I have the documentary just for you. Now, as everyone knows, the craze at the moment for uh, old school Doom and Doom Wards is, of course, the cursed horror mod, My House. And someone mm-hmm. has done a feature-length documentary. A YouTuber by the name of Powerpack has done a documentary talking all about the My House wad and playing through it and just kind of going over the technicalities of this mod itself. I love it. It's great. If you're into sort of... um, I've played the mod myself. So if you're into liminal horror and kind of want to uh, have a really kind of weird, trippy experience all within a mod for a 30-year-old game, highly recommend it. I also highly recommend watching this as well if you've got a spare two hours of your, of your day. <laughs> I will be here and say I've watched this and it is incredibly good. It is. I have not heard of this, so yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Very, very I'll good. Right very now. good. Honest. <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> but no, great, great thing. And I feel like it's the closest we could ever get to a good adaptation of House of Leaves, because I can't ever, I can't ever see House of Leaves ever turning into a film, with how tricky no, that no, book that, is. No. That's because people just there. There's points where you just kind of can't. <laughs> Yeah, but that's my recommendation. Sorry, Reardon, the floor is yours, sir. Excellent, excellent. That's a good recommendation. Thank Actually, you. I, I, have, I have some recommendations also. How dare you? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What you got? What do you got for us, Melee? Well, first, I recently finished playing Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, <laughs> and for me personally, it's my favorite video game of all time, and I recommend everyone to play it. If you haven't played Breath of the Wild, you might as well just play this one because it's better in almost every way. And if it doesn't win Game of the Year at the Game Awards, even though they don't matter, uh, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Strong, a strong threat from Melee. A strong, strong mm-hmm. threat. Now, yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about Tears of the Game. I, I own Legend of Zelda games. I have never actually sat down and played them because I've just <laughs> never had the time. I do own Breath of the Wild, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know who else does? Who's that? Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> really? 
Have you yeah, not seen that clip from the Stone, the Broken Skull sessions with Cody? He does like quick fire questions and he goes, best Zelda game. Cody goes, Ocarina of Time. And then Austin goes, nah, nah, dude's Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. I wish I was making it up, but no, Stone Cold Steve no. Austin plays Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I, I want to, I don't even know what that looks like, frankly, but. There it is. There it is, folks. There it is. So, we are now going to get into our subject for today, which is the 1990s steroid scandal. I call it the 1990s steroid scandal <laughs> because it kind of, for one thing, like it to actually like block it out is a little difficult because it's kind of like a rolling scandal. <laughs> and for another I think it does kind of like set, ex- really does set the tone for for the 1990s in wrestling and the WWF in particular. So before we get started properly, what do you guys know about the steroid scandal? Oh gosh, um, pretty much for for me being kind of like the nerd, the wrestling nerd out of all uh, out of all three of us, I kind of know the the ins and outs of it pretty mm. well and kind of the surrounding uh the surrounding kind of fallout from the entirety of the steroid trial so it'll be mm. interesting to kind of go back to it if there's anything else that i kind of may have missed in the couple of times as uh, i've i've read uh i've read about it as well as the dark side of the ring episode mm. absolutely absolutely what about you dan what do you know about it uh that at some point there was a scandal which involved uh, Vince McMahon being taken to court about uh, steroid use in wrestling. Yes, yes, excellent, excellent. That's perfect. Actually. <laughs> that's perfect. And that's Belly? Also... <laughs> Belly, you know anything? Well, the only thing that I know is that uh, someone said that the steroid scandal was the McMahon's 9-11 according to Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> yes, this is true! <laughs> I feel so bad because that is an all-timer quote. That is an yeah. all-timer quote. And, you know, like, I can actually <laughs> kind of see her point, but also what the fuck? To, no, to do it the week of, as well, of, of September the 11th, to say that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So, I was with, I'm in the same, I before everything, I was in the same boat as Dan, in knowing that there was some sort of scandal, but I didn't really know the full scope of it, mm-hmm. how important it was, and I feel like a lot of casual wrestling fans don't. Mm. It's one of those things that just kind of, like, it's one of those things that just kind of pop up on, like, the Wikipedia page, but mm. you don't really, like, look too hard into if you're, if you're like me. But this scandal basically invents Vince McMahon as we know him. Mm, it's not it's wrong, the yeah. most important... It's the, like, for us to kind of, like, memory hole this, and, you know, wrestling's have, wrestling in general has a terrible memory. We can all attest to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, to a, but to memory hole this specifically, I find really bad. Because a lot of the things that we complain about via wrestling and the WWE... WWE and WWF in particular, it the 
culmination point is here. There is a real kind of like, if this goes a different way, the entirety of wrestling is is completely and utterly different. Mm-hmm. And also some people might actually still be alive, but we'll get to that. So, so basically, basically, this is the canon event. Mm-hmm. Yes! No, no, re- <laughs> no, really and truly, this is the canon event of the WWE. So there are many ways to discuss it. There have been books that have been written about it. I, I've actually like gone through a couple of books on it just to get some more gist of it. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. But I think it's important to really get the context of when and why this happened. So we're not going to talk about wrestling for a second. But we are actually going to talk about the 1988 Seoul Olympics. We're going. To, we're going all the way to the Seoul Olympics. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the Seoul Olympics. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know uh, why I thought you were going to say something. We need to start by talking about like the U.S. court system or something, and I was like, like all right, here we go. Uh, USA. Um, we'll, we'll, again, like, oh, we'll be talking about that as well. We're talking about a lot of things here. I'm so in my just, wheelhouse. Yeah, strap in, guys. <laughs> Oh, I'm just a little... This isn't going to be a very nice episode. It's going to be a very frustrating episode for everyone. So just bear oh. that in mind. Oh, fuck. So, so um, I don't know if you guys know, but in the 1980s, America had a small, tiny, itsy-wincy thing when it came to drugs. I don't know if you, if you guys know this. If you don't, like, you know, the, the concept of the war on drugs. Oh yeah, I, like I was gonna say something, and I was like, "This is the worst way to phrase the, the, it." Anyway, the Ronald, dare, Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, the, the Dare campaign, the fact that every, oh, yeah. the fact that every game developer that when porting a game over to America in the arcades had to have an attract mode screen with the F with the federal seal saying "Winners don't do drugs." Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That is all swirling around we are at the height of the drug war oh, in america also Pee Wee herman and anti-drug psa is going this yes, is yes, crack cocaine we are. <laughs> i learned it from watching you dad we, yes well i learned it from watching you all of that <laughs> stuff just say no but one drug that did not come under the rules and laws governing over all of these was crack. Oh, it would be very different if it wasn't. But no. <laughs> no, it was steroids. It was steroids. Sorry, that... I'm still thinking like the CIA. Yeah, oh, you're still in the CIA mode. I get it. I get you. I get you. I get you. <laughs> so this, however, changed from a very, very unlikely source. And uh, this is something where we can technically blame Canada for this. Yeah. So okay. Blame Canada. Blame yeah. Canada. So, during the Seoul Olympics... During the 100 meter sprint finals. Yeah. Oh, um, what's his name? Ben Johnson. Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, you actually know. Congratulations. Oh. How gold star for you. Yes, yeah. Ben Johnson came under heavy, heavy controversy as it turns out that he had been doing steroids. He had been having performance enhancing drugs. Now, fun fact that is actually called, known as the dirtiest race in history, as it turns out that only Two of the eight competitors in that race remained clean of any performance-enhancing drugs in their career. Okay. Two. A. So based. 
A, that's impressive, but B, that's got that ain't got shit on the Tour de France. Oh no, 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 it does not. <laughs> well, we're, we're still in the kiddie pool section there. <laughs> but, Again, it would have been yeah. it would have been terrific if they just kept doing it and fully encouraged it, because instead of instead of the triple jump of the hop skip jump, it would have been the hop skip and where the fuck did he go? And yeah, well, it's, exactly. it's, like, it's like the fucking guy that's trying to promote the enhanced games. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah, we're kind of in the beginning of that, and this was like a massive. There was like performance enhancement steroids was a massive controversy like throughout all of the sports. Like, one of the big ones is of course um, Major League Baseball, which of course had its had its, its own bonds. yeah, <laughs> which had its own like controversy, its own steroid scandal during the eighties and nineties. I love how which, everyone says if you've got a giant like five hundred feet. I love the fact that a lot of people now like joke that if you've got a big head, you mean you're on steroids just like Barry Bonds, like. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, no, well, because um, this is a this is a bit of context that I can have, which is that um, American athletic steroid use was was driven um, by the Cold War. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It sounds it sounds it sounds crazy, but it, one of the big starts of it was that um, American gymnasts were losing to Soviet and East German mm-hmm. gymnasts, and obviously they found out later that they were all on insane amounts of peds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I didn't. It, I... It, 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 it pushed the um the culture of the uh, the U.S. gymnastic training system, which then led to um the modern abuse scandals. Damn. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like there is a lot of like this kind of stuff. Like the stories <laughs> I know kind of goes into a lot of different tendrils. But for the for the purpose of this podcast, we can only talk about yes. this. Like God, if we could we could definitely get into more of it. I am giving the cliff notes, but. For this, after the controversy of the Olympics, Congress eventually tightened the regulations around them, criminalizing their trafficking. And this would have an effect on a small, little-known company known as the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Could it be? Yes. The WWF. This is a fascinating time for the WWF. This is the golden age, the first big boom of wrestling, not just with the WWF, but with the entire wrestling business. Mm. And as we head into the 90s, there's one thing that I really, I really, really, really want people to keep in mind with this story. Vince McMahon was not Vince McMahon during this time. Yeah, he like, was not the character, the character we now know as Vince. He was no, just yeah. a guy. Yeah, but yeah. The, mm-hmm. This is like this. Well, predates the concept of Mister McMahon, the 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 actual like wrestler boss kind of mm-hmm. thing. It like this. We are before the Attitude Era. We are before all of that. During this time, he had only been chairman between only been chairman for around like four to five years. Nineteen eighty seven was WrestleMania three. So this like the big one, you know, where Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant and a million people saw it and screamed and cheered. And, you know, and, and Hogan stuff. claims that he broke every bone in his body or pulled every muscle yeah. in his body. And, oh, yeah, and, all, and, all, <laughs> and all of that and all of that. And although he has begun and mostly succeeded swallowing up all of the territories, his biggest like his biggest white whale WCW is being born at this time. Mm. So Vince has to keep his empire afloat. Remember, like Vince Senior didn't want him to have the company. Yeah, as a matter there of fact, there are a lot of people. Mm. 
Uh, no, the, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. The story is that he bought his father's share in the company. Not inherited, bought his father's yes. share in the company. Exactly. And a That's lot of insane. those people are still... And a lot of the people who were around during Vince Sr.'s day are still around and still making moves. Mm. So he is not... Like, he, his, he has got the company, but he is not secure in it. Hi, uh, Future Sam here. Uh, I'm adding this little bit here to let you know that unfortunately, uh, during the recording, I had a very, very poor internet connection, and I cut out of the conversation just as Reardon was getting in to talking about, I believe, how did all of these guys in the Golden Age get their physiques through the use of drugs, 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 lots of drugs. So we're going to join Reardon back as he's right into that spiel of all of that stuff. Apologies, everyone. I'll try and get better internet next time. On with the episode. Hogan, and also giving the fans the biggest, strongest looking physiques possible. And one way of doing that is with steroids. Dun, dun, dun. Now, but how does one get the amount of steroids needed to... To be that big, and and not only to be big, but to be consistently big, like uh, you guys, those guys are insane amount considering mm-hmm. you have to cycle. Yeah, exactly. It is mm-hmm. an insane amount, and it's not like the easiest to get. In the late nineteen eighties, steroid use was legal if you were prescribed by a personal physician, and because at the time there was no real regulations, if you had someone that that could get them and you could afford to buy them which the wwf absolutely could you basically had unlimited access to performance enhancement drugs there was no like we're talking about like when i was doing the research the thing that like got me was that not only was that like you could get them in any quantities it's any doses there's no regulations on how not like how much <laughs> can actually get in well, it, any it's, kind it's, of capacity it's, it's like how um in in the uk anabolic steroids which are the steroids we're primarily referring to yes 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 that's are, very important. are legal and you can possess them and use them but you can't give them to people mm. as a matter of fact i believe it is actually a uh that steroids or anabolic steroids are used to kind of help combat the effects of Bell's palsy in this country, if the memory serves me correct. That would, I think that probably something similar to that. But I know, I, I, the, the, the thing is, that you can get them. I think you can even buy them. Yeah, but you but can't. They... You have to. You can't sell them without being a licensed seller or something. Yeah, it's like in in this country, it it's is technically a class C offense, and it's a class yeah. C offense. Yeah, it's heavily, heavily restricted. But at the time in the US, it was not. So if you had a guy, you could get them. And the WWF had a guy. His uh. name was Doctor George Zahorian. Ah, uh, <laughs> this guy. Now, this guy, unbelievable guys. <laughs> Doctor Zahorian was the ringside doctor from Pennsylvania and the state's representative in making sure all of the wrestlers were healthy enough to perform. Now, this bit actually, when I was doing my research, kind of confused me. But from what I can gather, this is kind of a weird consequence of kayfabe. Funnily enough. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So, 
you got to remember, bef- like, before, and we're going to get into a little bit more on this, but, like, from the 1980s, 1980s prior, due to kayfabe, the WWF and wrestling in general is known as a, like, it is a legitimate competitive sport, right? To the general mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This also means that they are on the books legally as a legitimate sport. Yes, as a matter of fact, they were signed up to most of the state athletic commissions in the country. Yes, they yeah, they were stated by mostly athletic commissions and like a lot of the like those commissions, the referees at the time were like licensed proper referees. They might have known like the business and been able to do do the normal things that referees do in wrestling, but they were actually licensed referees. Yeah. So if you are class classified as a legitimate competition, which WWE was, you are bound by the laws and legislation of being a legitimate sport. Hence, Dr. Saharian, who is a legitimate doctor and also popped up in wrestling at the time. Like he did like he actually had like um interviews on on broadcast with everything. Like mm. he was a known figure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hiding in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight. So <laughs> that's an important note as to why I think personally part of why like the U.S. government went decided to go up against the WWF because you have a guy who is literally technically a representative of the government doing this shit. Mm-hmm. And Based. what this guy did was essentially supply the wrestlers with. All of the steroids they could ever need. Drugs, drugs, ever. drugs, lots of drugs, 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 no, drugs, drugs. No, 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 no. I, it's like truly, un, a truly unbelievable Scarface amount of drugs. From what I heard, the- like there was a very infamous story with the guys in the back with Dr. Zahorian. Whenever someone had an ailment or kind of like an ache or a pain, Zahorian always had one of those cliched doctor's leather bags. Yeah. And he would always come into the back, open it, and just give them all the steroids. Yes, 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 yes. The wrestler Warlord. Yes. Yeah. Has quoted saying that he would that he would open up this bag, this huge doctor bag, and the doctor would ask, Is there anything you would like? If it isn't there, I can get it for you and send it to you. Doctor, um, like not Doctor John Arezzi of the uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight noted that there were estimates that ninety percent of the wrestlers in that time period were all on steroids. Ninety nine mm. zero. Right now, take a I mean, look. If you're getting offered them for free, though. Exactly. No, see, they were not offered for free. Uh, this is actually oh, okay. something that this is actually something that um comes up um during my research in that the wrestlers did have to pay for this. Like mm-hmm. the wrestlers, like the, with like reduced prices, but they did have to pay. Okay, that... but then on on a separate part, if you're there, you finished a match, you are you are hurting, you know, whatever, and a guy comes up to you and says, "Hey, is there anything you need to help you right now?" and just opens up a bag of stuff. I I, I feel like <laughs> the, the mindset of the time is is pushing people in a certain way. 
Yes. Okay. Remember, okay, this you. is so, this is late eighties. This is the era of excess in every facet of entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This is yeah. We have to keep in mind the drug culture of the nineteen eighties because, like any other, like it's something that I, I thought about in like in any other era. The nineteen eighties is essentially like the prohibition era of the nineteen twenties. <laughs> in that, the fact that drugs <laughs> is so heavily kind of like scrutinized and criminalized it boosts up the actual level of drugs in the country mm-hmm. across every field yeah, i was in a like, speakeasy every- in stanford connecticut that dr Zahori had started distributing steroids under the table <laughs> no you joke but it basically is a speakeasy <laughs> for all intents and purposes so and i think like i'm gonna do a quick like sidebar and editorial as okay. i actually don't like the dark side of the ring episode Mm. on this because i feel like due to the people that they that they have as the main interviewees Mm. there is a kind of um a neglect in talking about the actual culture of the wrestlers at the time as to why they would do this i mean you've Mm. just got to take one look at the roster they had back in the day i mean look Mm. you mentioned warlord but gosh they had a dime a dozen of those guys that looked exactly like them hercules Yes. Rick the Model Martell, Ultimate Warrior, fucking Hulk Hogan, yeah. brother. Yeah. The, the Ultimate Warrior, who was actually called the Anabotic Warrior in some circles. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really feel like the With Dark Side of the Ring... Bro's bro cycle was 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and that, I, real feel, I really feel like not only does the Dark Side of the Ring episode not make this point, but also make point, like, not why they do it, but also the damage it's causing. Like, yeah across the field and this is where i actually start to use my second source chokehold pro wrestlers real mayhem outside the ring it's a good book which i have i've read chapters on when trying to do research for this episode and in the book bruno san martino said that when he came back to the wwf in 1984 he would see hundreds of hypodermic needles flying around just lying around in the locker room another inside said the following the bottom line is how can you get big, stay big, and how can you wrestle six nights a week without steroids? Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a mm. big thing. It's a big thing. And again, you, you Dan, you made the point. Like, it wasn't just steroids. Uh B. Brian Blair of the Killer Bees, he brought up how you could receive Valium, T3, Percocet, Pokedan, Somers pain pills and steroids and he noted that people just did not understand the pressure that you are on to look the best and to keep your spot in the business like it's high pressure stuff and of See, course yeah go ahead sorry there's just one, one thing i'll say i've used the phrase uh the, the, the word cycling or cycle mm. a lot i want to just quickly define this for you a steroid cycle is basically where you take multiple doses over a certain amount of time and then yes. you'll like stop and then do it again the, the intention is you do it, build the muscle, retain the muscle for your own work, and then you start the cycle again at a higher dose. Yes. But obviously, when you get to these level kind of circles, you have people like crazy ones. Also, basically, <clears throat> we, we don't know, wrestling basically had its own opioid epidemic before the rest of the United States. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, this, had, this has had terrible, terrible effects on the wrestlers. And is why so many of those guys aren't around anymore. It's because of this mm. culture of it. Yeah. 
And we'll get to it, but I feel like the government, like, when prosecuting this, really did miss a beat on on why they would why they should have been really going for it. We're gonna get to it, but we're gonna actually come to superstar Billy Graham. Oh, the the, the, the possibly the progenitor of all of this when you really yes. think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he is he is he is the, technically the he is the man who fires the first shot of the scandal because in February 1990 he was in the hospital for reconstructive bone surgery his seventh by the way <laughs> yeah yeah so he was enraged upon seeing Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage two alleged steroid kings and he decided to have an interview with KNBC TV sportscaster Fred Rogan in which he admitted that he had used steroids that had destroyed his career and which the side effects had disintegrated his bone joints, hence his seventh reconstructive bone surgery. No relation said, to Joe, by the way. Yeah, no relation to So he said, he said the following, It's not worth it, man. When you are lying in a hospital cut open from end to end and you're on morphine and, demo- and dermatol, Demerol, sorry, because of the pain, and you know you'll never walk like a human, like a normal man again. That is that is the Oof. prologue to all of this. That's what really got the media and kind of, you know, first getting their like, you know, their knickers and twist about all of this, and rightfully so. So, with steroid trafficking now criminalized, federal prosecutor Theodore Smith began investigating Zahoran, who, unknown to his WWF clients, had also begun selling drugs to amateur bodybuilders and athletes. Oh, now, right. now, I... Now, I when, I... when I saw this little bit, I was reminded that Vince McMahon at the time had tried to get into the bodybuilding business. Ah, yes, the World yes. Bodybuilding Federation, which yes. I swear we have to do an no, episode we, on. We'll, we'll have to do an episode. Maybe that will be my next episode, just looking <laughs> up, because what well, I don't know. Now, I don't know if that is connected. I, I, I legitimately don't know if that was a connection that like the uh, the prosecution, like the prosecutors were trying to make. Mm. But it is a thing, just just to keep well, it I can. It wouldn't surprise me. I can say as a. I can say as a thing. Um, <clears throat> from having friends that are in like the fitness communities and stuff, um, more often than not, people's first exposure to steroids is being offered it at their gym. Yes, it's incredibly common. Yes, absolutely. So. After openly hinting at connections to the pro wrestling world, Zahoran had the misfortune to sell $650 worth of drugs to an ex-powerlifter named William Dunn, who was, in fact, a confidential informant who had been cooperating with federal investigators following his own arrest on prescription fraud. This guy had been actually caught, like, selling, like, steroids to 15-year-olds. Holy shit! Yeah, 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 yeah. Like... Again, read into the bodybuilding community, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's absolutely mad, and especially at this time. So, he was, so, Zahoran was actually caught on tape because, because, um, old Dunn was wearing a wire. Mm. He had been caught bragging that he was giving Dunn better prices than the wrestlers. <laughs> God damn it, Melee. <laughs> so, oh God, yes, Melee is showing some stuff. Oh goodness! But no, so yeah, they had now gotten a bit of um, like a smoking gun on Zahoran. 
However, the doctor had been tipped off on the investigation on on his dealings by one Pat Patterson. So, yeah. yeah, so he had already moved his files on the wrestlers and allegedly, Vince McMahon allegedly, to a lawyer's office. So at the time when investigators kicked down his office door, Zahoran was found jamming invoices and shipping records of steroids sent to wrestlers. Now, was it ever confirmed if it was Jerry McDevitt's office that he was sending all of this to? Uh, I have not found anything. Um, I'm, I think the timeline-wise, it says no, mm. because I think because um, Zahoran, oh, like I, I, from what I can gather, the timeline says no because I believe um, McDivitt was hired after Zahoran got arrested. Gotcha. Or at least, or at least that's as, that's as much as the timeline as mm. I can find. So yes, the the shipping records, by the way, were sent to were, were steroids sent to wrestlers Mike Rotondo and Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper. Which you was mean found in the you mean Bray Wyatt's dad was on the gas? The IRS <laughs> <laughs> pay your taxes, do some drugs. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the Justice Department subpoenaed further records, showing that Sahoran had sold drugs to 43 wrestlers, 37 of them in the WWF, and with and with many of them sold with without prescriptions, just straight up sold. Oh, oh. Jesus. Yeah. So, to prove the case against Sahoran, prosecutors subpoenaed five big clients: Roddy Piper, Brian Blair. And Spivey, is it Spivey or Spivey? I can Spivey. Yeah. Spivey, Rick Martell, and of course, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Brother. Okay, so oh, we, gotta, go. we really got to talk about Hogan here. I mentioned it before, but it, it really cannot be overstated how big Hulk Hogan is in wrestling. Like, mm -hmm. this is absolute the biggest star on a, on a true like american personality like yeah, he all basically american... comes to define american like pop culture for like a good like three four years yeah absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for you man like <laughs> yeah. no but like absolutely like the the like to get hulk hogan on the stand would be to get like michael jordan on the stand and he took that personally. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and remember, like, funnily enough, like, you know, Vince's um, constant, like, need for there to be one guy of which the, of which the whole of the WWF and WWE, like, revolves around is disastrous here. <laughs> yeah. Because if Hogan goes down, Vince goes down. They are that linked. <laughs> like it is like complete like again and Vince McMahon is not Vince McMahon as we know him it could destroy the company straight up yeah mm. he is like Hogan is known as like a family friendly hero for a family friendly company you know you know say your prayers eat your vitamins you know yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. Take your fucking vitamins brother oh <laughs> yes absolutely so with thanks to the tape between done 
and Dr. Zahoran. That was used to get a search warrant. And on the wall of the Dr. Zahoran's office was a famous picture featuring him with Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Yep. So if you're if you are a, if you are like doing an investigation, you might see that picture and go, hmm, hmm, there might be something here. There Some, might be something going somewhere here. in Florida. Terry Bollea is going, oh shit, that's not gonna work for me, dude. Yes, <laughs> so, a man has hobbies. Exactly, exactly. So seeking to avoid the publicity, like linking him to like to like unlimited steroid abuse, the WWF hired, of course, lawyer Jerry McDivitt, who was enlisted to get Hulk Hogan excused from testifying. So. Hmm. This is the first time Jerry McDivitt's name is in the limelight. It would not be the last, which we will get to. Uh, yep. Because yeah, this guy, post, post the scandal, is basically Vince McMahon's closest lawyer. Like, the yeah. lawyer of the WWE. Yep. Like, so this, this invents this guy. This guy, like, his career is made on this. So... McDivitt felt that Hulk Hogan had a doctor-patient relationship with Dr. Zaharan. Hogan had consulted with Zaharan on various medical issues involving him and his wife having, and having children. So Jerry decided that he would present an argument to the judge that the government had no compelling reason to do this as it would compromise his medical privacy rights to have him get on the witness stand and explain why he did what he did, right? Mm. He'd say mm -hmm. just to it would just serve to victimize someone who had not committed any crimes. At least that is what Jerry says per the dark, dark side of the ring. Per Chokehold, the book, McDivitt in a sealed, that is secret pretrial maneuver, asked the judge not to put Hogan on the stand, frankly, because it would damage his public image. Like uh. that is that is the reason. See, I find that so interesting, though, that then that, that would be deemed like reasonable case for why not to put someone on the stand. Yeah, um, that I was kind of like, I it, the book doesn't elaborate too further on that because I that'd be my question, but there is some weird, like, there is some weird kind of judge and jury, like motherfuckery in yeah. this during this during this entire case well it's, it's, it's like it's like the thing of um with with us juries like realistically you can be dismissed from a jury for any reason they just have to find a way yeah. to like put that forward that's why there's a whole thing about um racial imbalance in juries yeah yeah mm -hmm. again we we're gonna get to some yeah. a it, short a short bit on jury motherfuckery which is yeah. hair pulling honest to god i would mm. like like i said this entire story is frustrating <laughs> but for whatever reason whatever reason be as it may it did work and hogan was excused from testifying against again again during the case of dr saharan however other wrestlers were not so, after three hours, just three hours of deliberation, the jury found Dr. Zaharin guilty of selling steroids to wrestlers who were not his legitimate patients. <laughs> However, during the trial, the good doctor had implicated Hogan and McMahon, stating that they had bought steroids off of him. 
So mm. McMahon and Hogan suffered serious backlash in the media at this time. And that's when, like, the scandal becomes the scandal because everyone comes out to get him. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. and there are, and with Vince McMahon being in, like, the spotlight and the targeting, there are two quotes that I feel, like, really kind of, really kind of explain why that is. Because for some, when I, when you actually look at the case that, as it stands, you do kind of wonder, okay, why is it McMahon? Why is it like this, this, like, you know, it can be a bit confusing, but mm-hmm. there are two quotes that I really like, like that really illuminate why that is. And the first is from Pittsburgh Post Gazette's Mark Madden. And I quote, hmm. blaming the promoters is not the answer, but blaming the promoter is. If any one man, group, or entity can be blamed for the steroid boom in professional wrestling, it is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. That quote I really like. It's probably the smartest thing Mark Madden's ever said in his career. (laughs) (laughs) I really really like that quote. Was it the heartbreaking, the worst person you know? Yeah. Excellent point. No, but I really like that quote a lot because it kind of puts in... Because remember, at this time, Vince McMahon had had done everything in his power to make his game be the only game in town. Yep. Mm-hmm. Meaning, per like logic, the buck the buck stops with him when it comes to like you have a massive like to call this a steroid scandal. Honestly, for me, is kind of understating it. This is a drug scandal across the board. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to be the only game in town, it's going to be all eyes are going to be on you. And there is another quote that I, 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 I kind of like and also hate because it is basically prophecy. <laughs> this is from a former wrestler talking about Vince McMahon. He doesn't care if you shove kryptonite up your ass as long as you make the weight. But he knows there's only one way to get there. I believe Vince McMahon should have been the man convicted last week, that is of Zaharin's trial, mm-hmm. and in almost 20 in, and in about 20 years, when ex-WWF wrestlers are dropping like flies, you can add another charge to that list. That is so dreadfully prophetic. That is... <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, that is just... We know that's what happened. Yeah, like, that's yeah. I don't even I don't even know what the, the state like. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely what happened. And why why Vince McMahon, like this is why I say like the the culmination of this trial actually gets people killed. Like uh, this is not a happy like episode, mm. and I'm sorry for that. But I kind of have to really just state the point. Yeah. If this trial had gone another way, there would be people alive today because of just this absolute clusterfuck of a company, of an absolute clusterfuck of of drugs just everywhere. It's just a horrid mm. backstage culture. Mm, no, it is a horrific backstage culture. I, and- I was going to say, talking of that, can I give you a little tangent of a really horrific story about the, about this whole go thing ahead. before yeah, we get ahead. more into it? Talking of the horrid backstage culture, there was a very infamous ribbing story involving Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith. So when Davy Boy came into the company for the very first time, uh, we're along with Dynamite Kid, 
and Davy asked, Hey, is there any chance that you could inject me with some steroids? Sure, says Dynamite Kid, and he takes a hypodermic needle and injects, uh, injects Davy Boy Smith's arm with the steroids. It was filled with milk. Oh, no. Again, and you know the whole thing of like Dynamite Kid was known to be one of the worst users of it because every night people would say you would just see him ribbing people by sticking a hypodermic needle in people's ass asses. Just yeah, <laughs> it's not. it's not great. It is not great. So during a press conference. McMahon denied telling wrestlers to get bigger. He disputed the claim that steroid use caused health problems, which is one of those ones that makes me, like, blink <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> but he also announced that Hulk Hogan would be on the Arsenio Hall show to set the uh, record straight for himself. Oh, my! <laughs> now, this is one of those little tidbits because Arsenio Hall wasn't that big in the UK, but mm. he was massive at the time in the US. So yeah. for him to get on the Arsenio Hall show is just kind of just just odd to me. But that that's whatever that's wrestling for you. Yeah. So Hogan, for his part, on the Arsenio Hall show, stated that he had only taken steroids three times. Back in 1983, when he had caught his bicep, he claimed that he had used it for rehab, and that was the only time he had ever used it. He had mm. only used it, and all the rest of it was pure, natural, take your vitamin say his prayers, and like, that's that's what he's saying. You know what he Case did? Closed, then. Yep. You know what he did? He said the quiet part loud during the interview, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the entire media and everyone watching basically called bullshit. Like, like... <laughs> And I wonder oh. why. <laughs> I have never taken steroids, dude. Only that three times when I hurt my bicep. <laughs> yeah. No, it like it was coming thick and fast from literally everyone. Uh, Ken Patera of Told People magazine, he he went asked if like who did steroids. He went, who didn't do steroids? <laughs> the word came down from the promoters, especially McMahon, that you had to be bigger than life. The only way to do that was to take anabolic steroids. <laughs> this was a lot of this stuff was made even even worse. Was Vince McMahon's appearance on the Phil Donahue show. Oh, now, God, this one, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, a quick sidebar. He was not only on this force for um, the steroid scandal. He was also on this about um, about the alleged sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get into Ooh. it because, like... I, just because I don't think, like, I don't think this is the time is this, this show would be a lot longer. Is but this, this the is... same episode where he had Dave Meltzer sat next to him? I... This is that exact one yeah. where Dave Meltzer basically called, called bullshit on him yeah. for stating that he was not disappointed by, by Hulk Hogan admitting that he had used steroids. I'm going to show you peeps a picture of, of, of mullet-haired Dave Meltzer sat next to Vince McMahon. Yeah, please, please do while, we, while I continue, but I'm going to keep moving. No, what the people who was actually like really like getting his that oh my god look at that picture on him. But anyway, yeah, look, folks, if you could see this picture, it's quite frankly ridiculous these suits are ridiculous as well but yeah so 
Also on this panel during the Phil Donahue show was superstar Billy Graham and Bruno San Martino. Yeah. And they based, they also took Vince McMahon to task. Bruno San Martino actually basically for, uh, during this time was basically having like a press tour, like fighting Vince McMahon. He got invited to another um to another oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he got invited to another talk show where. Vince, when Vince McMahon had been invited to basically be like the counterpoint to him. Mm-hmm. And Bruno San Martino reminded the audience that there is no union or protection for the wrestlers and that going to the authorities usually meant you'd be finished in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing when we talk about wrestling unionization. Yes. This is absolutely... That, that's, that's essentially the point. Yeah, this <laughs> so is absolutely... If you tell anyone about the massive abuses going on here, you will lose your job. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, so... This, like, Bruno San Martino mentioning this, if I could... If there's ever, like... This is the part where I get really annoyed because I really, really, really feel like the biggest... Like, the government misses the forest for the trees, basically, mm-hmm. in their focus on the drug abuse. The drug abuse is bad. So bad. But they really, really do miss the point and they really don't take the task. At... The, 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 the line I, I really feel with the government at this time is that they are going against them for taking drugs, not for the fact that this lifestyle is killing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, that is mean, what they are going for here. That's basically the essence of the u.s drug legislation since the 1980s yeah, i mean yeah but it really becomes a big like sticking point for me when looking at what why you are doing what you're doing but mm-hmm. that's just how so old jerry mcdivitt was up in wwf's headquarters when they received the first of what became seven or eight I'm not quite sure, but seven or eight grand jury subpoenas issued from the Eastern District of New York that that commenced an investigation. Uh, McDivitt McDivitt believes that this was on April 2nd of 1992. So this becomes an actual problem because, (laughs) as you mentioned, Dan, it becomes like when it comes to the law, the concept of venue is really important. Mm-hmm. So all of like they go for New York, where there wasn't a lot of evidence that of 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 these crimes in New York, and yeah. the fact that they didn't go for Stanford, <laughs> Connecticut, you know, a place where all the bodies theoretically would be buried is a really bizarre like decision. well yeah this is this, this, this is this is the whole thing with how it's done because like you can choose the courts that you want to sue in yes mm-hmm. so for wwf they probably say oh we'll we'll we'll, we'll do it in new york and yeah. probably make some complaint about like oh the infrastructure and shit yeah, or something like that. All I know is like it's a very confusing. It's uh, this is again There's, one of those it's like um uh the John Oliver thing with the guy who owned the coal company. Yeah, who, <clears throat> who sued him in um a court in like fucking Arkansas or something. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Arkansas doesn't have a law which pre- 
which prevents people from making frivolous suits. I, it gets it gets really, really. That's messy. the essence. But, that's the effort. It's not actually in those places, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So finally, dropped. Vince McMahon was indicted. He was indicted, stating that McMahon and and a doctor conspired to distribute steroids to the wrestlers to enhance their size and muscle development. In the midst of the federal investigation, the WWF initiated a dramatic overhaul on the types of physiques it appeared on television. <laughs> so this is the time of the new generation. Also, and I feel like that's a really important point to note. Yeah, if like, it weren't for this, I don't think Bret Hart would have been WWF champion. No, no. There is a good there is a good chance that he wouldn't have been. Absolutely. Isn't that such a crack fall? Yeah, yeah. that's that the thing Bret that Hart might never have been WWF champion if there wasn't a massive steroid trial. Yeah, like a lot of the, you can see, and like a lot of like the weird booking decisions and the absolute instability makes a lot of sense when you realize that the company might not be around in a couple of months if this goes yeah. south. Mm-hmm. So, what it's was one of those. What with Absolutely. Hogan disappearing in ninety two in mid ninety two, we get yes, we get this is very... of course Davy Boy Smith and Bret Hart SummerSlam. We've got like the higher emphasis, of course, but this is when Shawn Michaels really started getting quite a push as well, it was around ninety two ish time. And yes, course, that is absolutely. And they've had more of an emphasis on Flair being the champion just before he left to head back to WCW uh, as well. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely, that is a really important, that's an important point that I, I forgot to actually write down. That, yeah, Hulk Hogan, gone. He ain't, he ain't around <laughs> during this point. He is in WCW, which will become important later. I was going to say, so, we're definitely not talking about WrestleMania 9. <laughs> No, we don't talk about WrestleMania 9. <laughs> that is, we, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. Brett lost, brother. I'll come so. to his aid, dude, and win the title. Jack. Don't you mention that, brother. <laughs> Already so, I will, dude. <laughs> so, as you can, yeah, so, as you can tell, the prosecution had a lot of of evidence putting for putting away Vince McMahon. But a lot of it was circumstantial. A lot of it is essentially hearsay. What they need is hard evidence that my man oversaw essentially a criminal drug conspiracy (laughs) and that they needed evidence. This is very important. They needed evidence that my man personally directed wrestlers to use steroids, to to use, to use steroids. That, that, That is, that is the most important thing. They need that smoking gun. If convicted, Vince McMahon would have been facing up to 11 years in prison and a $1.5 million fine. As a matter of fact, I think WWF did have a contingency plan were this to happen. Apparently, they were satanic. Really? I did not know that. Now, WWF, during the trial of all this happening, employed Jerry Jarrett um, in case Vince actually got taken down and sentenced Jerry Jarrett was to take over from leadership duty uh, from leadership duties from Vince. So you never know. We could have had Jeff Jarrett and Jeff and Jerry Jarrett was overseeing the WWF. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Anyways, absolutely... sorry, Reed, so, yeah, No, that's fine. That's fine. Because like now we get into the bit that makes me want to tear my fucking hair out. Right. 
from the very beginning, the trial was weird because, of course, it's wrestling, right? Yeah. Kayfabe reared its ugly head to mess with the trial from the beginning, from the jump. Oh. When ju- because when jurors were being selected, the judge had to dismiss several potential jurors because they was because those jurors were saying that because wrestling is fake, the trial is fake as well. Oh Which my god! Actually, wow. Yeah, this is. This becomes like, and even after an acceptable jury was selected, the judge, who was a uh, judge, judge Jacob uh, Mishner, I believe, just yeah, Mishner, he warned the jury: do not question whether wrestling is sports or entertainment. The only issue at stake is the distrib- is the distribution and to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. This is the substance, not whether wrestling is phony or sports or entertainment. Basically, when this trial isn't about whether wrestling is fake or not. Yep. <laughs> this will be. This is the that, most frustrating part of the of it for me. The because, fact you have to have a disclaimer that ridiculous before the court case happens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was like it's the fact that they had to do this is so stupid. Um. So. Uh, for the former federal prosecutor Laura Bivetti was brought in because um because um McDivitt's prior prior representation of Hogan during Dr. Zahoran's trial was regarded as a conflict of interest. So um to make the point, Jerry was actually representing WWF and Laura was representing Vince McMahon personally. So they're, they yeah. they are technically separate on this. That's that's an important note to make. Hmm. Again, technically. This, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're at the point where businesses count people for the purposes of law in the U.S. yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We are not in that point. Laura, so, goddamn it! You listen to Jerry and everything he has to say. God damn yeah. it! No, exactly. No, yeah. it's it... um. Bro... Also, Sorry. can I just make a very interesting point? I don't know if you're going to bring it up. Were you going to bring up Vince's neck brace? Okay. I was gonna ignore it because it's so dumb. It is so stupid. <laughs> so yes, during the entirety of the uh, the trial, uh, Vince McMahon wore a neck brace. He says it was because he had actually done an injury, but a lot of people thought it was to gain sympathy. You know, mm-hmm. it was for it was basically you know for him to work the work the crowd, look babyface, just yeah. Yeah, that damn neck brace. And it looks so silly. <laughs> it looks so damn silly. It looks like one of those codes you put on a dog's head to stop it from licking its stitches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not so, gonna like, God damn it, I'm not gonna lick my balls. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's just, it's so dumb. So, McMahon's defense toy, Laura Bravelli, she kept the real fake issue alive when she told the jury the following If you don't like wrestling, don't take that out on him. That is Vince McMahon. Yeah. Mm. The prosecutors told the jury that this case is about the dark, corrupt underbelly of Titan Sports, which pumped up wrestlers for profit. They were corporate outlaws headed by the sole owner, a cunning and sophisticated drug dealer. Straight up. <laughs> like, so already... <laughs> This is getting in the way of things. Yep. So annoying. So goddamn annoying. And it becomes annoying especially... I want you guys to keep 
this little bit in mind for the end, a little epilogue bit that I'm going to be talking about. That kind of really sums up all of this for me. But so pit up that. So the prosecution team, led by Sean O'Shea, had a lineup of WWF wrestlers as witnesses set to testify, including Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Hmm. So this was also um, it also included uh, Rick Rude and among others. I think it was around like eleven. I might be wrong. Eleven, yeah, eleven wrestlers. Yeah. So all of the wrestlers essentially said the same line. Yes. I have done steroids, especially Ultimate Warrior. Like, there was no going around that one. <laughs> like, I don't think that brother could get away with saying, I have never used steroids in my yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. So, it's the they power and spirit line. of the warrior. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But no, he said that, yeah, they basically said, yes, that they had had used steroids, but Vince McMahon had not forced them to use them. <laughs> that's the important bit here. Because yeah, that's, that's what the case is. That's some very specific legalese there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is some very specific legalese oh, there. I've used them, but it wasn't Vince specifically that requested that I use them. Hmm. Yes. It's one then, of those... Because then, then the blame would fall for Florian. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's just... It's one of those ones... Oh. I can't... I couldn't find exactly who it was who said it. Said it that said he need to be on the he said he need he said that i needed to get on the gas i told him i would not get on steroids to get the job he that is what man told me uh, do what you have to do which again do what you have to do is not no 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 you have to use steroids <laughs> great legal, see what I mean? great real... legal jargon here isn't it yeah. <laughs> legal... but the thing is, though, is I feel like that's tenuous on McMahon's. That's yeah, I suppose because it, it's, it, it's an employee boss relationship. Yeah, I know. Mm. I'd agree with that, but I feel like I feel like the prosecution. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a guy on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. From from what I can, yeah, from what I can gather, from what I can see, I feel that them trying to nail getting Vince McMahon to you have to use steroids was a mistake. Yeah. I think that's a big overreach on their yeah. part. And I think going going for the angle of Vince telling them they have to rather than Vince promoting the use of yes. would be a better um, line of exactly. So you're saying all you of can, the... You can, um... mm. <laughs> That's... Yeah, you said it best. I, I don't. I don't know how to describe it. There's, there's, yeah. there, there is, a, there is a thing in employment yeah. which is like, um, yeah. the power dynamic. It's, co- co- it's coercive. Something. Yeah. Like, but basically, yeah, like it's where... the power. Like the power balance on this is lapsed to say the fucking. Yeah. Word. So the the, I... the 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 premise behind it is basically you aren't given specific direction to do something. Mm-hmm. But it's made explicitly clear to you that if you do not do that mm. thing, then it will affect your like exactly. relation exactly. at work. So the only person who actively <laughs> said that he was that he was like specifically told was Kevin Wash 
Waschholz, also known as Nails. <laughs> so the story that Nails gave was that Vince had told him steroids. Just mm. up. How, however, the, the the defense of McMahon was a hostile witness. Yep. As he held from the WWF previously, scrambled and looking for revenge. <laughs> Now, nailed by still animosity towards Vince McMahon, but then later answered in the affirmative that he hated Vince McMahon. Again, he he's just drawing a very fine semantic difference between the two. Yeah, just do I have personal animosity? No. no. Do I have him generally? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like I I don't hate him as a businessman. I hate him as a human being. Like it's more or less what I. I love the fact that he it was all oh, they made like Laura Brevetti made him slip up by by making him literally confirm he didn't know what the word animosity meant. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sums it up, don't it? Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Zahara was brought in directly from his prison cell to testify, man. So, this is a weird, weird, weird bit of this story for me. So. Jerry McDivitt brought, like, when he was interviewed during the ring, he brought up that during the doctor's direct examination, Zahoran kept vaguely referring to some letter that he had written, but Jerry hadn't received any copy of a letter. Finally, the judge ordered Dr. Zaharan to turn over any letters that he had received. While Dr. Zaharan was on the witness stand, Jerry was apparently read, the, read a letter dated to... May 19th, 1993, that, the, that described the doctor's horrendous experience have been taken to various prisons and forced into solitary confinement, apparently done to influence his testimony. Hmm. So, on the stand, Zaharan is recounting a meeting with McMahon where he disclosed that he was selling drugs to his wrestlers and that McMahon never told him to stop. This one conversation becomes... Like the, the the basis for charging Vince of having some kind of conspiracy of any kind with Dr. Saharan. The and when he bullet. was Yeah, the magic bullet. And when questioned by prosecutors, Dr. Saharan denied his treatment was malicious or influenced his testimony. This bit is weird. I have no idea what to think on it. Mm. Really and truly. Mm. It's just like it just is. Yeah, it just <laughs> is a thing. I I honestly don't like. Was it was was did Doctor Zaharan do it to? I like. It could be a whole lot of things, but like, it just is what it is. It is what it is, and I haven't got anything really to go. One other big witness was McMahon's executive assistant, or basically secretary, Emily Feinberg. So, in her testimony. She had said that Vince had asked her to purchase a mini refrigerator for his office. At the time, McMahon claimed that he was wanted it to keep sodas in, but she quickly realized that he was storing vials of steroids inside of it. That's fucking Jesus. 
in the office, yeah, bro. Apparently in the office. I, 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 from what it, from what I can gather, I think it's his own personal steroids. I'm not sure. This man was. But this man is a for his own fucking steroids. You gotta realize That's this a man. Other fucking level of juicing. You gotta realize this man loves bodybuilding and loves big muscly dudes. So it is so not out of the reaches of ridiculousness to assume that he would have a mini yeah. fridge full of steroids. Yeah, but you love it, though, right? Most people. Most, like, yeah. like, that's insane. Oh, yeah. He would have his own fucking mini fridge for his own steroids. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely, absolutely <laughs> insane. She also testified that McMahon treated Hulk Hogan as his top priority within the company and made sure that Hogan was well taken care of. Shipments of right, illegal brother. steroids. Yeah, do you remember right? Shipments of illegal steroids were shipped directly to Titan, Head, Titan Towers. That's the WWE. WF headquarters, where Feinberg was responsible for splitting the shipment up, with half going to McMahon and the other half going to Hulk Hogan. Just how we distribute our funds so to Melee. How much did the brother need? <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, it's just it's just ridiculous. It really is. So, however, this. During the during the uh the debate on this, the prosecution. Well, for one thing, the uh for one thing, the 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 defense essentially like essentially slut shamed Feinberg from my readings. Bloody hell! Oh. Yeah. Sounds about time accurate. Yeah, because um uh Feinberg at the time was also uh, an ex Playboy model, and there had been been rumors unconfirmed, but there had been rumors of something going on between her and the boss. That's neither here nor there, but. Yeah. With one, with um, with Brevetti apparently stating that she was wearing more clothes for the judge than she normally did, which is wow. Wow. They also the 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 WWF attorneys also accused Feinberg of shopping around for a book deal on her relationship with Vince McMahon and demanding a better severance package from Vince after she was fired. They'd paid her as a fame seeker and a wannabe actress who was looking to the US government to get her name and face highlighted in such a high profile case. Oof. Now again, incredibly time accurate. Incredibly time accurate. And it had come out that she had had some some talks to a freelance television producer so this was this technically counted under like you know the witness was shoddy mm. um mm. however um we're gonna quickly fast forward to a little thing that because in 1995 after the trial the fbi investigated wwf laura laura Bavetti, and it turns out that that um, television producer was her boyfriend, Martin Bergman, who was then, they were then accused of witness tampering by allegedly offering Feinberg between two hundred fifty dollars to $400,000 for information to produce a TV piece on the trial. So, take that as you will. Take that as you will. Hmm. So, that was that. The witness testimony that everyone wanted to hear was, of course, Hulk Hogan. 
Hulk Hogan, this was a different Hulk Hogan than the one from the previous Saharan trial. Oh, this is this he is ballooned had... down significantly, Hulk Hogan. He is so the shell <laughs> yeah, of his former only... self at this point. <laughs> yeah, not only that, this was one that had fallen out with Vince McMahon and had signed up for the rival company, WCW, which was on its which was on its way up. Yep gearing up to what would eventually become the Monday Night Wars. Not only that, but Hogan was granted immunity for anything he would reveal on the stand about how he got his steroids from Jesus. Dr. Sahara. So he had nothing to lose to sink Vince McMahon completely and utterly. Even on trial, he's protected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Even, right? even the US court system is not going to put... I'm going to put myself over. He doesn't even do the job for the US government. Straight up. So, everyone is for him to sink it. But contrast to everyone, to what everyone thought he would do, Though he admitted he had not given full history of his steroid use, especially during the Arsenio Hall, mm-hmm. that actually pops up. Like, he was actually asked, did you, did you give your full history of steroid abuse on the Arsenio Hall show? And he goes, no, I did not. I so don't have Hulk 10 HP in this dude. went the other way. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the other way. Recounting his friendship with Vince McMahon, he said that they were gym buddies. And that Vince was not personally responsible for his prescription of steroids, okay. essentially exonerating McMahon of the charges against him. Hmm. Mm. Basically, he went and said, like, yeah, we did steroids together, but he didn't make me do steroids. Nope. nope. I was That's doing it for the fun of it, bro. Mm. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, apparently, despite Hogan saving Vince McMahon from prison, essentially, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, McMahon remained furious that Hogan had testified against him in the first place. Oh, yeah, they even so... played into that. Fast forward to 2003 at WrestleMania 19, their McMahon versus Hogan match. They played into that in their storyline leading up to the match. Yeah, so... Crazy. So, there you go. During the, uh, during the, like, the final statements by... By everyone. Sean O'Shea went on to attack McMahon even further, claiming that his personal wealth, then hundreds of millions of dollars, were made off the backs and hard work of those wrestlers forced to take drugs and hurt themselves for his empire. Apparently, according to Jerry McDivitt, this, this sent a, a then young Stephanie McMahon out of the trial crying. I don't know the legitimacy of that. Mm-hmm. Jerry McDivitt in his final statement, went stated that it was a complete hypocrisy against the government that they had like the steroid use was not was like not been regulated during the time, and that essentially that the uh, the U.S. government was trying to take down a family business. Yeah, that, mom and pop shop. Yeah, mom and pop shop. <laughs> yeah, that is the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> That is the World Wrestling Federation. That controls the majority of TV wrestling in the United what, States. Yep. What can I say there? And international distribution. Came... <laughs> yep. When it came down to it, Vince McMahon was acquitted and the WWF was acquitted as well. Remember, this was technically two separate 
they're two two people separate on trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two separate entities. They Vince McMahon completely got away with it, and according to Jerry McDivitt, uh, upon like the drink, took off his the damn neck brace and swung it around, only to put it back on. <laughs> so Vince McMahon won. It's straight up. He won. It's about the people who didn't. But however, who didn't win? The wrestlers. The yep. wrestlers didn't win. Damn right. It and this is why I was saying like everything could have changed. Vince McMahon would have been sunk. The Empire gone. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't have and... said WWF would have been gone. As I said, the contingency plan was to have Jerry there, but I don't think it would have ever have survived the Monday Night War. No, that is very true. Mm-hmm. That is very, very, very true. And one thing that I really feel needs to be mentioned is two things as a little epilogue here. First, remember what I said about the kayfabe? Yeah. Yeah. The kayfabe, the funny thing about like the, that bit of the juries and everything around it was that kayfabe was technically dead already. As mm-hmm. Vince and Linda McMahon had with Vince specifically, like, fun fact, actually, do you guys know why the term sports entertainment was invented? I yes. believe it was due to a hearing with the New Jersey Athletic Commission where they wanted to raise yep. the prices and Vince turned around to them and said, but you do realise this is a fake sport, right? We're sports entertainment. We employ elements of sports, but we're actually a family-friendly entertainment entity. Exactly. It was it was it was the argument that professional wrestling is not a actual combat sport and because it's not an actual combat sport it doesn't come under the Athletics Commission's jurisdiction. Exactly. Which covered um primarily boxing. Exactly. It exactly yep. that. So all of this is down to basically no regulations and absolutely no help for the wrestlers who were putting their bodies alive. The the annoying thing is that like Sean O'Shea is absolutely right. It is, that money is made off the backs and hard work of those wrestlers. And oh, yeah. the reason why I was very, very, um, I felt it important to call this very specifically the 1990s steroid scandal was because it happened again. Was with, it? Mm. Well, it was as, as when Chris Benoit's autopsy was, came over. Despite them trying it, it was found that he had steroids in his bloodstream. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it was the same for Eddie Guerrero and others other great oh, yeah. wrestlers who died too young. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, a huge reasoning as to why so many of the guys in the eighties passed and why so many were passing away in the mid two thousands. Um, Eddie exactly. was always told that he was too small, and Eddie had it in his mind that the only way he could ever really get into a main event position was like i got to get huge and if you ever see eddie in his debut in 2000 to what he looked like when he faced brock lesnar holy crap his traps and shoulders are huge in comparison to what he was Mm -hmm. in 2000 yeah absolutely absolutely i feel like this is the the fact that Vince McMahon was acquitted is essentially almost like a compliment of a 
thousand different things. For one thing, I personally, I do kind of, I do kind of understand the ruling. The it was an overreach by the government. I do actually legitimately feel my my feelings towards Vince McMahon and the company and everything aside. I do feel like it was an overreach, and I do feel yeah. like they were mi- like again they were missing the forest for the trees. If they had come from the fact come over the fact that wrestlers were dying, that wrestlers had no support, I do feel like it could have gone a different way. Hell, I feel like, you know, this wasn't the first and only time that Vince was in court. Just before this, Jesse Ventura had taken him to court and was successful for royalties that were owed to Jesse. Yes, Um, And Jesse Ventura, after that, pretty much just said, I'm out. I mean, because you didn't give me, because he was the one that was trying to spearhead unionization for wrestlers and was stooged Mm -hmm. upon by Hulk Hogan. Hogan, yeah, by Hulk Hogan. And so, it, yeah, that's it. It really is. I haven't got a. I haven't got really a happy ending. We all know how this goes. Yeah, Vince McMahon becomes Vince McMahon. Apart from the only thing that could have really stopped him was Ted Turner, and the Monday Night Wars, and we all know how that went down. God damn it! But <laughs> this is the real, and I really feel like this is the the real starting point for a lot of things in the WW in the WWF and then WWE you could you could almost make a case that this is the actual true beginning of the attitude era because mm-hmm. this is what this is where like everything honestly changes and has to change this is where everything starts to gear up because it was a pyrrhic victory in in some respect when you announced that ninety percent of your wrestlers are on performance enhancement drugs. That's gonna take a that basically makes your family friendly stuff dead in the water. <laughs> this entire thing kind of makes that dead in the water, which you could be argued allows Vince McMahon to pivot to the more darker, edgier of the mid to late nineties that begun the attitude era because my goodness the the job role gimmicks of the mid 90s straight after was not giving not give doing him any favors like the goon duke the dumpster drosy yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) manta it is a straight line between all of this and the gobbledygook oh shit son (laughs) you're right and with that we end our take on the steroid scandal. How do you feel, guys? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to think that this Vince McMahon guy is not very good. <laughs> no, I agree. No, it's uh. Oh my! <laughs> just it's, it's to put it to put it into polite terms. I don't know. I, originally, my bit was going to be, I don't know, guys. I'm feeling like taking some steroids. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know about you guys, but I sure know what the what the word animosity means now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. The moral of the story: know what words mean, for the love of God. I mean, basically the basically the essence of it is that um, the the wrestling industry as a whole is basically built off an institutionalized sense of like 
constant pain. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And basically the, the the people who are in charge of those companies have no investment in actually stopping that. Remind um, me, Feathers, why do we like this industry change. again? It's a, <laughs> it's, 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 honestly, <laughs> honestly, doing this episode is like... This, okay, but, but, it, but, it, but it's like what I've always said, right? Which is, <clears throat> if wrestlers were able to unionize, then it would be far much easier to actually enjoy product. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, I love, for example, like, um, Hong Kong action films. Yeah. yeah. And mm. for as crazy as that world is in itself... I know that the actors are actually protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like it's just it's just that thing of like you know when wrestlers stop wrestling, you don't want then the first thing to be that they're you know when they're feeling the effects of that that they just cannot afford to like fucking live anymore. Yeah, crazy to think <laughs> that when you really think about it, Jesse Ventura is the smartest man in all of professional wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fucking mm-hmm. sentence. I know. I know. <clears throat> like yeah. like really at, at its core it's one of those constant problems of the u.s and what well, the u.s and workers rights <laughs> yeah yeah but also but also an industry that is so aggressively conservative and unwilling to modernize yeah and I, I mean this is an outsider's perspective i mean melee is it right i mean the workers rights in the u.s really as bad as the news over here depicts it to be <laughs> Oh, it's actually worse. <laughs> oh, oh, goody. Goody that's, that, that, that's that's what I mean, though, right? <clears throat> yeah. Like, because the thing is, the thing is also at the essence of this: wrestling across the world is like this, and it's yes. because of the template <laughs> yeah. set by WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. That is a point that I want to make. This isn't like let's not pretend that that they were the only ones doing this. Let's not mm-hmm. pretend that. What it was is that they were. It was probably the biggest because of because of the territory. I honestly think that this, like the entire reason this happened, is because of the death of the territorials. Like I legitimately mm. think, if it wasn't for the fact yeah. of of the territorials, this wouldn't have this wouldn't have gone to trial. It's because kind of, it's, you... it's kind of like the essence of <clears throat> you know, like prohibition wasn't started because of like Al Capone, <laughs> mm. but like. He had a big part to play in it. Yeah, like I feel like the fact that it's just the fact that like that the WWE just put such a massive target on themselves per their per their ridiculous bloodthirsty business practices. National expansion, baby. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where we're going to end today's episode i don't i'm not sure if you guys have had fun but i, I hope that you guys have learned something will this teach you your lesson to never present again right now? <laughs> i mean like i don't know i don't know anyway this has been our uh however long episode on the dangers of drugs yes don't don't do drugs kids don't winners do don't I do now i am now joining the war on drugs on the side of drugs <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So while you are on that war, Melee, is there anything that you would like to plug for us? Oh, do I? Well, let me see. First, well, let me know. I got the plug, brother. <laughs> Speaking of plugs, uh, one of our good pals, Dango Boomer, part of the Baseball Podcast. Uh, he has his Twitch channel. You know, Dang, it's Boomer because apparently you can't put O 
and your username on Twitch. But yeah, <laughs> he sometimes likes to stream there. And Peter, he's doing his summer of boom hour. So if he's ever streaming, you know, click on it, click follow, donate button, subscribe, give him money. Like he, he probably deserves it because Boomhauer is probably yes. one of the most creative dudes on Twitch on that platform. Mm -hmm. Honestly, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of speaking of creative people, uh, Donut Cass in his West in the Pink One channel recently started, uh, Sonic Heroes. So if oh, you like yeah. Sonic, oh, check that out. I, I I remember I remember playing a lot of Sonic Heroes as a kid. So shout out, shout out to Sonic Heroes. Yeah. GameCube, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well. Oh, go ahead. Um, unfortunately, I have to shout out the Beast World podcast. So recently on YouTube, they've been starting putting out videos. Like Chris has been doing his Fable series with Zane, mm. and Simon and Cass have been doing tier list about DreamWorks movies, which is so, a, a, a terrific tier list video, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. Although I will also, say they rated mm -hmm. Chicken Run way too low. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a real British moment. Yeah, <laughs> British seminal. I can't uh, believe I can't work. believe that's getting a sequel. I can't believe it, it. That, that's crack. Absolute crack. But yeah, that's basically it. Oh, give me money and yeah, good vibes. Excellent. Good vibes. Give people money. The check is so, in. The, the next check is in the mail. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I actually, this is the part where we would announce what the next episode would be, but I have no idea. So Sam, what's the next episode? I have no idea because uh, I have terrible book. I've had terrible planning booking stuff. Um, we might have a guest on. I would really like it for to be Tony. Um, but we'll see what I could do. I will chat with him. If not, um. Uh, I say we do an episode on the, uh, reviewing the very first episode of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling Connection, the cartoon. Oh my god! Oh my! Well, okay. There you oh, go. I just right. popped I it. Was my head. Do, I was just gonna do. I was just gonna do the bit of being like, someone will be appearing here <laughs> yeah, at some time. Some, someone, somewhere. I feel like it's apropos because it's, it's this, and then we talk about another thing of excess, which was the WWF cartoon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Well, thank you very much, Melee, for coming in and not wrecking my 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 first time hosting. Thanks, Melee. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, this doesn't change thing. anything, you son of a bitch. <laughs> quick thing. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Reading because. He really went above and beyond doing the research for this. Yeah. And even though I like I'm not like speaking very much, like it was very informative and seeing how crazy this whole trial stuff has been. And you know, Reardon is actually uh, a natural on this, so I want to give a shout out to him. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I do. I actually appreciate that. Put him over. Put him over. All right. All right. Gotta give you the rub. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This was. <laughs> a lot of fun, a lot of frustration. It was a lot to do this, but I'm glad that I've done it. I'm glad that I've done it. So, if, with that being said, there's only thing, there's only one more thing that I can say, and that has been you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. I am Reardon, and I've been joined by Sam, Dan, and Melee, and we will see all of you on the next one. Bye bye. Don't do drugs, kids. I'm Sam, if you do, sir. <laughs> <laughs>